We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this Thursday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready, Clark Ford Studio here with you this morning. Jeffrey Wright will join us as he does every Thursday here in a little bit. Probably getting started for segment two, somewhere in there, when Jeffrey... Pops on. We'll talk some baseball. Ole Miss knocks off Alcorn State 13 to 4 last night, getting ready for the Mississippi State series this weekend. The real news out of it, Kemp Alderman pitched an inning. Talk about what that means or it doesn't mean. NBA playoffs got off to a uh, another strong start in a play-in game last night. The Thunder top in the Pelicans. They now move on to uh the next round of play-in to potentially play the Denver Nuggets. So we'll uh talk about that a little bit. Got beer sales expanding in Major League Baseball. Is that going to make a difference? Is that good? Is that bad? More beer is probably good to most people. So we'll hit those things and more coming up on the show. Show brought to you every day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. You know about the lunch specials, 569, sides, any size fountain drink. Let them take care of dinner tonight with the ribs, wet or dry. Call ahead. They'll wrap them up, have them ready to go. Most Blue Sky locations throughout Mississippi, including here locally in Oxford. And then the donuts are in Clinton. Those are made fresh every day. A lot of different options with those, a lot of different flavors. Head in, check them out. The pictures look fantastic. You can get those again at the Clinton Blue Sky location. And then again, coming to you from the Clark Ford studio. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's not going to be any hassle. There's not going to be any haggle. You're just going to get your quote, and the rest is up to you. You can shop it around. Or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. The service is absolutely amazing. So are the products. Uh, we've got a driveway full of them. So um, you can take my word for it. 662-257-1900. Guest, including Jeffrey Wright, join on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. If you're a displaced corporate executive or you're wanting to put your career in your own hands, maybe you're an experienced entrepreneur simply looking to diversify. Either way, Andy Ludeke can help. He owns multiple franchises and businesses and uses his expertise to help others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process. So call Andy, put your life and your career in your own hands. It's 100% free. So what do you have to lose? Find your perfect franchise at myperfectfranchise.net or contact Andy anytime at 
andy at myperfectfranchise.net or on his cell phone, 404-973-9901. You got back into sports a little bit last night, Mr. McCurdy, getting into an NBA playoff game, staying up yeah. late. I mean, you got yeah. you, you fully in it. Because I'll, I'll admit it, look, I, I think I even – bashed it in some ways on this podcast a few weeks ago. I think it's too many playoff teams in a way. I, the play-in game doesn't do much for me in theory, but good basketball, you're getting good effort. They've been entertaining games, and yeah, sure, is it really going to impact the playoffs? Probably not, but at the end of the day, I think I'm coming around. I think I'm more for it than – definitely more for it than I was a couple weeks ago, and I think I would – vote on it continuing, which it is. It doesn't matter what my vote is, but I think I would be on that side starting today. Yeah, and I think if you follow the NBA more closely than you do, you would you would notice that it has made a, a significant difference in the regular season. Um, the race for sixth is more intense than it used to be, obviously. Teams used to be like, okay, well, we're in. Let's mm -hmm. position ourselves, whatever. Let's get rested. Let's, let's, let's sit people. Uh, there was less of that. There were more meaningful games in April. Um, there's more teams playing for the the nine, the ten, uh, to get a shot at the playoffs, to have a home playoff game. Um, and then the games themselves are good basketball. It's elimination basketball. We love elimination basketball. We spend the month of March going, this is March because it's elimination basketball. And this is elimination basketball, and it's fun. Uh, you know, like I was telling you before we started, none of these teams are going to win the championship. Probably none of them are going to win a series. The Lakers could. But um, you get to see, you know, and <clears throat> they do it the right way. Uh, the, my, my problem with the NCAA tournament, and it's frankly my only problem with the NCAA tournament, the way they do the Dayton thing, is they put the games on True or TNT or whatever. No, no, no. Put them on, put them on ESPN. Put them on CBS. Make, it, mm -hmm. make them a big deal. And... Um, you know, the, the NBA has done that. They've, they're not hiding these games. They're profiling these games. They're celebrating these games. And, and they got two really good ones last night, Chicago, uh, beating Toronto and then Oklahoma city beating new Orleans. I mean, those were great games, super entertaining. If you, if you just like basketball, uh, you, you got it. And if you're a casual NBA fan, you probably didn't know a whole lot about Shea Gilgis Alexander, about Josh Giddy. Um, about Mark Dagnall, the coach at the Thunder, you you probably didn't didn't know a lot about Brandon Ingram, frankly, or Trey Murphy the third. You do now. Um, those are those are very good basketball players, and um, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun last night. I mean, we stayed up late, and um, Carson and I were high fiving at eleven twenty at night. So uh, you know, I mean, it was fun. I mean, for a for me and and him and anybody who's kind of followed this thunder rebuild, it's been interesting to watch the national media criticize. Uh, and the thunder only tanked one year. They didn't tank the first year. They just, they were bad. And then the, the second year they, they tanked and it paid off. They got uh, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara out of it. Uh, they got Chet Holmgren who hasn't dribbled a ball yet on an NBA game. And, uh, and this year, they just kind of let it happen organically. They tanked a little bit, but it really wasn't tanking. It was more development. They made sure that um, Usman Jang got some some minutes. Um, 
they ended up playing Jalen Williams from Arkansas a lot, and he ended up earning a starting role, and and I think it's become a, a big part of their future. But they played Shea Gildas Alexander all season. They they played uh, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, um, all those guys, and it's kind of let let the uh, let the season be what it was going to be. And I, I, the 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 quote that Sam Presti always gave was he he's going to let this team define itself. And it did. It defined itself, and and they ended up in the play-in game, and and now they're a, a win in Minnesota, which will be difficult to get away from, um, <clears throat> you know, making the actual playoffs and and playing Denver in Game One on Sunday. So it was it was pretty cool because I've followed this this rebuild and the way that they've done it and the the style of basketball that they play and the maturation of these guys. And and um, I told you before they started. I told Carson this last night. If everything goes according to plan, and I think it probably will, last night was the last night that the Thunder are the cute little puppy dog. Like, oh, look at you. You're so pretty. Look at you. Good boy. You're harmless. Um, they showed teeth last night. Yeah, they win 123-118 last night in New Orleans to advance, like you said, to play the Timberwolves in Minnesota on Friday night. On the other side, uh, the Bulls, big comeback against the Raptors. The Raptors, I think, missed 18 free throws last night in that game. As uh, they let Chicago back in it, they now face the uh, the Miami Heat um, on that side. So, DeMar, De- DeMar DeRozan's daughter steals the show. She's she yelling, yeah. yelling at Bulls at, uh, Raptors players as they shoot free throws. <laughs> Who knows whether DeMar DeRozan's shrieks worked or not, but uh, they, they missed free throws. and It's a big win for... Uh, for the Bulls, you got to see Zach Levine. If you if you're not, if you're just a casual NBA person, you probably haven't paid a whole lot of attention to Zach Levine, and he's a he's a superstar, frankly. And then on the Pelicans, by the way, before we move on, the Pelicans last night, you saw how good they could be if Zion Williamson is on the floor. Because when but he's Zion on, Williamson is never on the floor, but he's never on the floor, and he's missed forty something straight games. He sat in street clothes last night. Obviously, if, if he's playing healthy, the the Pelicans they're not even in that game. They're in the, they're they're a four seed, a three seed. But they have attached so much of their franchise to him, and they run the risk now of being in purgatory because they're too good with Ingram and McCollum and Trey Murphy. I'm a big Trey Murphy fan. Um, and Valachunas and and the the roster that they have, they're too good to be crappy. And so you run the risk of being a perennial seven or eight with Zion being a part-time player. They've got to figure this out. And if people can say what they want, I saw him in person a month ago. He's too damn big. Mm -hmm. He's going to have to figure out a way to lose weight. Period. If he doesn't lose weight, he's never going to get through a, a full season like that. He. People talk about Barkley. Barkley was never that big. He's too big. He's carrying too much weight. And it's creating issues for his body. Yeah, and it's been three seasons, I guess now, whatever it is. Um, I mean, I saw him in person that. a month ago, Chase. And if you, if you told me Zion was over three spins, I'd buy it. You buy it? Yeah, I. Overall, I just the, the the playoffs again really good two nights. Probably get some decent games on Friday. You look at it just from a business standpoint of all the different sports, and they're always tinkering. And we talk about college football, obviously going twelve here soon from four. 
Major League Baseball adds the extra wild cards. Everybody's doing things that they think will benefit. I mean, the NFL, of all things, which is undisputedly the king, it still adds teams and takes away a buy, which I think the buy was a mistake. But, you know, they're moving things around, too. I mean, this is this is one the NBA has hit on, and it is it is definitely a, uh, a success as we move into the normal bracket here coming up here soon. Uh, hit this. Again, Ole Miss knocks off Alcorn last night, 13-4 game where they were up 6 nothing after two innings. Alcorn, not good at all, 5-24 and overall coming out of the swag. And I, I take very little from the offensive game or anything to do with that. Kemp was talking about it afterward. He said that, you know, it's the pitching is so different that, frankly, he was proud of the team for kind of locking in and not overswinging all night because of the velocity that's coming at them compared to what they are typically used to. But the ninth inning was interesting. Um, Ole Miss is obviously in the middle of a five-game week. They've got a lot of injuries throughout their pitching staff in addition to the guys that we always talk about. Hunter Elliott's still a week away. Riley Maddox at least two weeks away, something like that. Um, Josh Mallett's out for the season. Braden Jones had a sore elbow. He was out Tuesday and Wednesday. Mitch Morrell has been dealing with a lingering back issue throughout the entire season. Not many arms uh, available. And I'm going to write a little bit about a couple of them that I think just analytically and what they showed pop to where maybe they should be getting opportunities. But the focus last night on Kemp Alderman, Ole Miss told him on Monday that he had a bullpen to see how it looked. Kemp was a guy who was a two-way player out of, out of Newton Academy, out of high school. And it, it happens a lot. I actually talked to Steven about this for the other podcast this week. Guys start specializing even in college, even though they come in as two-way players, they need to focus on one early to get playing time. And it's so complicated to do both. And, the other side kind of falls by the wayside most of the time. I mean, you look at Ole Miss, it's really only happened three times to any degree at all since um, Stephen Head, and that's if you include, include Kemp Alderman. Ole Miss used Ryan Olenek in some emergency roles a few years ago in 2017 and 2018. He was a two-way player. And then they used Matt Tracy in some some roles as a two-way guy back. I forget exactly when Matt was here, but 2009, 10, somewhere in there. Um, but – you know, comes on the mound last night, and again, it's Alcorn. So I'm not taking any way. I mean, there were several people who went, oh, God, he struck out the side. I, I don't care about that. That that was irrelevant to me. But he flashed low 90s fastball. It was 92, got up to 94 at one point, despite only throwing one bullpen and this being his first appearance in two years. He threw some, some intra-squads early in his freshman fall and maybe in the spring, but I forget if that was the case in his freshman year. He was 92 to 94. Um, he flashed a couple sliders that were okay, not bad. They were college level solid pitches. And even through a changeup, I think Mike just called it just to see what the hell it looked like, if nothing else, um, on the field last night. He throws one of those. Command was spotty. It was going to be spotty. I'm not going to hold that against him. But I do wonder if it is a usable arm the rest of the season. I mean, it, you're you're at a spot where it's worth trying anything. Um, from a sheer talent standpoint, it's better than some of the guys who get innings. Um, it's some velocity potential that Ole Miss does not have up and down the the, the, the rotation and the the bullpen at this point. I don't know. I was intrigued. Mike's quote was pretty noncommittal last night. He said. Obviously, it looked maybe better than he expected, and it's potentially something they move they they do going forward if they need it. But he was he was not obviously going. Hey, we're going to play him on Saturday, and he's going to get an inning. But I, I, Mike, if I have a criticism of managing, and it is it is hard because I get how this happens. It's he's been somewhat hesitant to change roles through the first 30, 35 games of the season. He 
guys who didn't perform well in practice, didn't perform well really, really early on, they kind of gotten buried a little bit. Um, he's sitting on sample size. He's sitting on experience. Again, I get it. I understand how that happens. It's not something that I'm necessarily, you know, I'm used to it from just covering college baseball. Every coach does it. But at some point what you're doing is not working, and I do wonder if maybe – whether it be Cole Ketchum, the freshman, or Alderman, or whomever, just throw them out there, see what happens, give them a chance, and you know, not the highest leverage situation, but something with some actual teeth, which is not what last night was, and just see what it looks like. I mean, I, I thought that I thought if you put him, took out the batter, and just put him on the mound and watch what it was, it's potentially good enough to get outs in the SEC now. Again, is he going to walk people? Yeah, he is. He's going to walk people. The command was not sharp at all. I mean, he got They're already walking outs. people. They're yeah, already walking people. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, and again, he's throwing bullpen. I'm not criticizing him because command wasn't sharp, but it it wasn't. Um, why not? That's kind of where I left. I, I left and went, eh, why not? Give it a shot. See what it looks like. Well, again, you're you're two and ten in the league. Yeah. Uh, you're running out of time. And in some ways, that puts a lot of pressure on you. And in some ways, it takes all the pressure off. And so what you're doing isn't working. And so the odds of you have two choices. You can just keep doing what you're doing, which isn't working, and hope that it suddenly works, which is, well, I think we all little, know what the Yeah, little full party there. Yeah, or you can go, hey, let's shake it up. It might not work. But it might. It's different. And if it does, maybe we found something. And if it doesn't, eh, it wasn't going to work anyway. Because look, I mean, you're, you're six or seven SEC losses away from it not mattering anymore. So you just go play the games. Shake it up. I would try different things. I, I, I've, I've said this. I would get Darty out of that Friday role. I would put him in my bullpen. I would. Someone goes, well, who do you put in there? I don't know, but that doesn't work. So somebody, and maybe somebody catches lightning in a bottle. Maybe somebody can give you four good innings, and then you go to the bullpen and you use Darty in a different capacity and where you could turn around and use him on Sunday. I, I don't know. I'm not a base. I don't, I don't cover the team. I've watched their games, though, and I think they're – Second and third starters are a little bit better than maybe some people are giving them credit for right now. And if you could move Darty into your bullpen and switch some things up, and maybe you add an arm with a guy like Alderman who could give you an inning or two. And yes, yeah, command's probably not going to get pinpoint at this point. I mean, he's not pitched enough for his command to be precise. But he throws hard. It's different. It's an arm that people haven't scouted really. Maybe it coach the the hitting coaches can't go tell their team, all right, here's exactly what this is going to look like, as opposed to, you know, if you've if you're pitching for Tennessee, for example, everyone has scouted you. They can there's a in the hitters meeting, you're you're kind of told, here's what's coming when number forty seven goes out there. I don't know. I, I think Ole Miss is at that point of its season. Where you just go, hey, Let's let's experiment a little. Try some new things. Shake it up. See what happens. And again, if it doesn't work, they've got that banner on the wall they can just point to, at least for this year, and go, hey, we won last year. Yeah, I'm not talking about the micro level of Kemp necessarily, but I mean, I, I've already thought this. I, I, I think 
think we overemphasize this. You must pick one, and this guy, other guy can't help us in any regard. I mean, if you've got two-way players coming in who are really good two-way players and they actually fit the standard of what is required. I mean, it's one thing if a kid, you know, he's not SEC level in doing that, but a lot of times you just completely disregard it and, and move on when that's not the case. I mean, Jeffrey joining us now. I mean, I don't know a great example. Maybe you do, Jeffrey. But there's no way in the world that every full-time pitcher would not have been able to hit at an SEC level over the last 20 years. Oh, no. I mean, do you remember Lance Lynn's BP? Yeah. I mean, there's dudes who could have hit at the SEC level if they were not pitchers. Oh, I mean, I mean, I know this is in the way back, but, I mean, Tim Hudson would throw on Friday nights and then DH the rest of the weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. Like, that's a, a specific example. But, I mean, I do think – I think it's, you know, something that we talk about pretty frequently. I'm not saying sports are better or worse now, but they are clearly more specialized than ever. And, and maybe that's just the natural progression of things that, you know, the more exposure something gets, the more people tend to specialize in it. And to me, yeah, I, I definitely think that I definitely think particularly now, I mean, how many kids, I mean, I used to have the theory and I still kind of do. I want my quarterback to play multiple sports. And, you know, for the, a lot of the reasons I usually wanted to play baseball, because you've got to make throws where your feet are not set. You've got to be able to, make a throw quickly. Um, and, and I think that that's something that baseball definitely, definitely promotes. But yeah, I mean, I, I just think in general, we just see everything is so much more specialized now. There are people that think Zach Grinke could be a 275 hitter in the major leagues if he hit every day. Zach Grinke thinks he could be a 375 hitter. <laughs> well, he, yeah, he thinks he could win every batting title. But I mean, to be, are- clear, to be clear, Zach Grinke is a freaking hero. Like, he is. When he said, if they'd pay me $250 million to pitch on the moon, I'd pitch on the moon. I was like, that's my guy. We're all pros at Grinky, right? We're as hell, but I'm all in. Oh, oh, he is a freak show. Uh, (laughs) At the same time, love him. He 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 has the the thing, you know, that lets him communicate pitch. Yeah, what do they call that? Pitch com? Yeah. And he shakes himself off. He calls his own pitch and then he shakes himself off. You can see that it's it's hilarious. Like the catcher talks about it later. Like, yeah, we- are y'all are y'all still watching Ted Lassa? I am not caught up on the season. Neil may be. I have not watched the one that was released on Wednesday, and I have okay. had, I've had multiple people tell me that I'm 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 going to get irritated. Ah, uh, eh. I mean, they're they're leaning into some stuff, but it's still I don't know. I I still I still enjoy it. But Zach Grinke is Zava and Zava's Latin. But like, <laughs> you know, if if Zlatan grew up in America and not Sweden, like that's what Zach Grinke is. Like he's uh very self-assured. I mean, th- remember that Sports Illustrated article where he, like he announced in the dugout? It's like one of the most vivid details I can remember in like a baseball story. He was, I think, in double A. And he just announced to the dugout he was going to throw a pitch 70 miles an hour the next inning and just did. Like, he's, uh, he's, he's, a, he's an interesting cat. 
he's that he's he's like you said he's a hero he's he's fantastic i mean he's he and joey Votto might be my two favorite big leaguers yeah i i'm a huge okay, Votto guy just because okay, Votto's weird, so good with media no no no, no I, I agree with you is it weird that i have more respect for Votto? no I might, I might enjoy grinky more like I, I think I think Otto's kind of a stand-up guy. I, I don't know if Granky's the best teammate. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's more than fair. Um, Votto's the guy that I if if they mic'd him up every game, I would just watch the Reds day day in and day out. The thing also with Votto is we've kind of talked about it with Kyrie and that I can't stand him, but I do have to acknowledge the rest of the league seems to have this respect for him. And I do pay attention when other players seem to hold other players in high regard. And Votto seems to be one of those guys that everyone holds in high regard. Yeah, for sure. I have, I have lots of thoughts on Kyrie, but we will save it for another day. I, I, I actually kind of like Kyrie. He stood up to LeBron James. He stood up to Anthony Fauci. I mean, dude's not afraid to stand up to people. I kind of like that. He's he's kind of. I know he's I know he's a weird cat. I get it. But, but there's there's some things that there, there's some media narratives about Kyrie Irving that are that are completely politically motivated on the media. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm fine with that. Oh, I'm not super not super into the anti-Semitism. Um, right. right. I, I realize that. Don't get me wrong. But, I'm not. But, I'm not saying dudes a, that he's perfect. But, but more importantly, like he's a team killer. Is I mean, he? Neil, at a certain yes, this was his this was his Mona Lisa. I understand they traded away other good players, but literally getting to the Mavs and people are like, "There's, there's no way he can hurt a team like this this quickly." It's like, <laughs> let my guy cook. Yeah, I, I, the the Mavericks thing. I don't know. I I, I have a difficult time pinning that on him because if you watch the Mavericks the first three quarters of the season before they had Kyrie they weren't any good they I mean, weren't any good they, they, weren't, they weren't any good they weren't going anywhere I mean they, they maybe they weren't going to fall out of the playoff picture but they weren't going anywhere they should have made the play in and after the break when he played like they lost games yes they did but their their problems are so deeply embedded organizationally that I can't blame it on Kyrie Irving. They were 26, they were 29 and 26 without him and nine and 16 with him. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you're going to blame Kyrie Irving on the Mavericks failures, you have to blame the Mavericks for trading for Kyrie Irving. Oh, I, I totally agree with that. And that's why, you know, I would never sign him. I don't know what they do, but I mean, I, I know this isn't a Mavericks show. No, the Mavericks have put themselves in a really weird spot because now you've got pretty trusted reporters who are hinting at, is it Tim McMahon? Covers Tim McMahon, cover, yeah. Dave McMiniman, Tim McMahon. Dave in LA, Tim is in Dallas. He's covered the Mavericks forever, and he's hinting pretty strongly that Luka is putting down the, the Luka Doncic. Sources. Sources. Yeah. Is that, putting was an down. that was an all-timer with Luka. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did I say that? <laughs> Sources. Yeah, but Lucas putting the, the the tea leaves down that hey, I might I might ask out of here in a year. It'll be well, worth cash. It's a weird think, spot to be. I think that's I, I definitely think he's clearly frustrated and 
and who knows in this day and age, I just kind of believe Cuban will smooth that one over. But at the same time, I don't know how you like, I don't know what their path is to building around him. Like they don't have assets. Like they have money, but this isn't a great year to have money. They don't have their picks. It's a bad free agent class. It's been proven that it's really hard to build. I mean, you're in a city where they've done it the right way. They're about to start a playoff series as a two seed. It's super hard, even in Los Angeles, even in New York, even in Brooklyn, whatever. It's super hard to successfully free agent build a title contender. It, it, for every one team that does it, 20 fail. I mean, it, even the teams that are really good, like at the three teams in the East that are really good, the one team in the West that was on top of the West pretty much the whole season, and, and include Memphis, include Sacramento, so that's six teams. They're all, they're all home-built. There's a, there's a way to build a team, and, and the way that Dallas has tried to do it now, it doesn't work. That was yeah, a, think, that, that, They traded assets for Kyrie Irving. They knew what they were getting. No, they, they certainly did. I think, I think where their problem started was because they drafted Jalen Brunson where they did, I think maybe there was some institutional bias that I think they believed that he was on a hot streak more than he was having a breakthrough. And I think this year has shown he was closer to having a breakthrough than he was to having a hot streak. Like, is he a top 15 player? I don't know, but he was a player that, that could play with Luca. And I don't know if I'd be giving away players that can play with Luca right now. He might not be top 15, but he's top 30. And in the not NBA, a lot of them. And in the NBA, you can win with top 30 players. Top 30 players in the NBA, if you put them in a gym, you just go, whoa. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Speaking that of top 30s, game. yeah. Speaking of top 30s, the Thunder have one. I mean, they. I, I think SGA is a top. I think he's a top 15 player. I think it's getting there. Yeah. I mean, I, this is the problem that I always have with top 15. It's like I don't know. I feel like there's always 30 guys we say are top 15, but yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious when you're playing in a, a do or die game, and the other team is going. By no means can we let this guy have the ball. And yet, as soon as he gets the ball, he finds ways to score. I mean, that little that little baseline kind of floater jumper late in the fourth where there was no space. Like, I mean, that was just, that was a hell of a shot. They, they had some moments, man. I mean, we, we kind of talked at the beginning because I can almost hear the people screaming at their, at their devices right now. But whatever, it's Thursday, it's April. We, we're running out of things to talk about. Well, what's the SEC schedule? A record? Um, zero and two zero. and ten. Two and ten. Yeah. Okay. The football record is zero and zero. The basketball the, the basketball coach is undefeated. Um, that's that's good. Um, yes. it, I I thought there were some big big organizational moments for Oklahoma City last night. Some big ones. Um, obviously Josh Giddy, Lou Dort's game. I mean that's that's. It's going to sound stupid, but for Lou Dort, two playoff games in a row where he's shown that he can step up on the big stage. That was Josh Giddy, who's 20 years old, his first postseason experience. And the moment was nowhere near too big for him. Uh, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, I thought the moment was kind of big for him a lot, but he hung in there and 
defended really well. Uh, Jalen Williams from Arkansas makes that hook shot that was huge in the fourth quarter. Made that three pointer that was huge in the front in the fourth quarter. He missed six threes in a row and still had the stones to take the next one. When you have to take that shot, you have to be a willing shooter in the NBA, or else you have to get off the floor in those games. I just thought there were some really big moments for them organizationally, no matter what happens on Friday moving forward. No, I completely agree. I mean, it's not a unique thought, but the Thunder are very much where the Grizzlies were the first year after the bubble. So yep. it's still kind of that weird COVID year where, all right, would it be more beneficial for them to probably lose some games and get better lottery spots? There's very much an argument to be for that. I do believe when you have a young developing team, you don't want them to fall into the trap that losing is okay and that losing is an acceptable outcome. And there's, I think there's value in these kinds of reps. I mean, these, you know, whether or not these are high level playoff reps, I don't know, but those games felt intense. Like last night felt intense and, and it felt like a playoff game. Yeah. And you have to make plays. And to me, the biggest difference between them and the Pelicans was Oklahoma City. Like, yeah, there were some turnovers. It was not a perfect performance. Is that someone that's going to go and challenge Denver? I would bet against it, but yeah, absolutely not. But that I think there was value in last night, like figuring out ways to win in those kind of intense playoff games on the road. Like that's that's a big deal. Yeah, no physical match at all for Valanciunas, and yet figuring out a way to survive him. I mean, yeah. He is if you've never seen him in person, he is a massive human being, and and he is extremely strong, and and he's more skilled than he looks. Um, he's he's a problem. And, Guys, he's a former he, neighbor of Jeff and Alice. Is that right? Oh yeah, he, he was my favorite part of the the Valanciunas Stephen Adams trade. When they also got traded, they traded houses. Oh, is that right? Did Adams yeah. moved into his house. Yeah, Adams moved into his house, and Jonas moved into Stephen's house in in New Orleans. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, I I just thought it was thought it was big for them. You know, they get they, they add Chet Holmgren to this team next year, and they have a mountain of assets. They just have so, like they're the antithesis. Of, of Denver, of Dallas, I should say. They have just a load of assets that they can sort of figure out how they want to use because you can't draft all of those players. So at some point, they're going to combine some picks, whether it's to move up in the draft or to add a piece that makes sense to let them get over the hump. And I, I think I think last night was was really good for them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So what else is on your mind? <laughs> oh well, that's a that's a different topic than comments. Um I do have a question here. I saw this this morning. I tagged it in the preview. Four teams expanding beer sales in Major League Baseball going from the end of the seventh, which is or in the seventh inning, which has always been the case, to the eighth. Brewers, D backs, twins, Rangers, citing that so far. In the 2023 season, the Major League Baseball games are averaging 31 minutes fewer than past seasons. That is the, uh, the number to, to date is 31 minutes. Is there some commonality between those four franchises, or are they just the first four and everybody's going to be doing this? Because at my, the minor leagues say that last year they did not see a decrease in beer sales, but obviously adding an inning is not the worst thing in the world. It does increase liability, though. I'm kind of curious if the rest of the league follows suit on this. Okay, so re- remind me again. I thought the A's were in there, and I was like, "Well, they need they need like they need like dollar beer night." I don't Let know. Let me check and see if I missed it. I only had those four, but I could have missed one. So it's the Rangers, the Brewers, obviously, Twins uh, and D backs, Twins and D backs. I mean, the Brewers, obviously, their connection with Miller, I would assume, is is going to promote them. Although the Cardinals, you know, they have the connection with Bush. Um. I I would be curious if you did the math. Obviously, if you do 31 divided by nine, what, it's like three and a half, four minutes per inning. But obviously, the early innings are probably going to go faster or more quickly than later innings because you're just going to have more position changes. And so I'd be curious to know when you get on the on the clock and you get to the eighth inning i would bet that's roughly the same amount of time as when you would have stopped selling beer in the seventh inning the year before or you know whatever in in about one more inning would give you the same amount of minutes yeah about the same amount of time so i would imagine the liability isn't that big of a deal um so well, the liability would be more, are you giving enough time before the end of the game? The liability has more been on the other side of, are you giving people time to quote, and I'm using quotations, yeah. sober up. So Mark and I talked about this yesterday. It's like, is that one extra tall boy going to be the difference between you being able to get behind the wheel and you shouldn't be able to get like, to me, it, if you shouldn't be behind the wheel, that's been decided before the seventh inning. Oh, of course. Or I mean, before yeah, the yeah, eighth yeah. inning. I mean. You know, I just think that, you know, I think the answer will be if these teams believe that they're losing revenue and then they're not selling as much, then they will continue or, the, you know, they'll, they'll adopt this policy. Um, the thing, though, that I found that was interesting is, do you know that Major League Baseball, there is no mandate. There's no written rule that says you have to cut after the seventh. It's just a. 
it's a tradition, as they say. And that to me, and again, this is just one man's opinion. Doesn't that reek of we take a whole hell of a lot of money from Anheuser-Busch so we can't on paper say uh, we can't on paper say stop selling their product because uh, they give us a ton of money. Uh, but at the same time, you know, hey, guys, uh, we think it'd be strongly encouraged that you do this. Um, so that's I-, I would imagine in general, like whenever. They'll all end up doing it, I think, at some point, unless they just sit there and go, eh, we sell so much already. We're good. And then a couple things here. Uh, one, it said the Rangers already allowed some eighth inning booze sales last year. But the new decision to allow in-seat beer service to fans who can order on their phones was meant to prevent them from missing pivotal late-game action. One of the stands. So they were already in the eighth. Uh, so I guess take one of those out. There's only been three teams that have changed. The Rangers were in the eighth, but now they offer in-seat delivery of the beer through the eighth inning as well. And it's actually a little more than 31 minutes. I had it up here a second ago. Uh, the beginning of last season, games were taking an average of three hours and 11 minutes. To date, this year, two hours, 38 minutes. So, yeah. Three minutes. Yeah. I was watching Pittsburgh and Houston yesterday early. I was watching the Pirates broadcast, and the game was was in Pittsburgh. And I, I can't remember who their sideline reporter, dugout reporter is. It was a guy. But he was talking about how they were trying to kind of meet fan demand to be able to get in and out of the concession fast because the games are going so fast. Like, you know, the touchless lines or you check out on your own, stuff like that. You don't, where you, everything's in and not waiting in lines that snake around. It was just interesting. And that game was a game where the umpire, the home plate umpire broke his finger and had to leave. And so you had, one of the one of the base umpires had to go get geared up and stuff. That was the delay. That game still flew, man. That game was fast. I mean, it was Rich Hill pitching, so he's going to get the ball and throw it. But it's a noticeable difference when just on, I haven't been to a game in person yet, but it is a noticeable difference on TV how fast the games are flying. So Mark I and I were talking. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, Jim. Mark and I were talking about this yesterday. I've not obviously been to a, a major league game in person with this. I will say this. The television product is vastly superior right now. Like the game has so much more flow. I find myself, I, I I know a lot of us are probably the same where particularly early in baseball season, you kind of passively watch baseball. You, you'll flip it on, but you're not locked in. I've found it's a lot easier to engage right now and kind of be more locked in, particularly early in the calendar. And so far, like, I don't know, man, this thing just feels like it's been a, a, a welcomed addition. And I, I think, for lack of a better pun, like, this thing has been a home run. I think so, too. I, I wanted to be hesitant. I wanted to be like, oh, I want the game to have more natural flow and all that stuff. But then if I'm honest and I watch on TV, especially if I'm watching games where I'm, if it's, you know, if it's the Cubs, I'm more interested in the outcome. If it's other teams, I'm just kind of watching. And I've watched more games. I've watched more games than I would have watched this time a year ago. I've watched, and when I say that, I don't mean an entire game, but I'll, I'll flip around on the on the MLB Extra Innings app, and I'm like, oh, yeah. it's the White Sox for a few minutes. And 
it's easier to see more teams because the games are absolutely going faster and there's a lot more there's a lot more pace I it just feels it like there's more that. purpose and more what Jeffrey? it just feels like there's more purpose like they've gotten rid of like cuz i do agree like part of the hesitation is well are you going to are you going to start messing like baseball's never had a clock it gets part of it it's like okay but the shot clock hasn't always been 24 seconds. The shot clock hasn't always been 30 seconds in, in basketball. Like we, we make adjustments, but to me, the biggest difference is like, all right, we've just gotten rid of, we've gotten rid of a lot of just kind of guy steps behind the mound, takes like six breaths, like gets into his perfect. I mean, I'm at the point now, like let's, let's get the pitch clock out in golf. Like I, I want to see a shot clock out and I want to watch those PGA tour guys have to just like melt down like let's let's hit a shot in 40 seconds boys you oh, can do I'd, I'd watch i would watch that that you would you would get me in if, if they had like a, if you actually like brought like on a golf cart just bring out like a shot clock and have it follow them around like oh my god it'd be so when do that. you get when does the clock start uh when you get up to your golf ball yeah when you arrive at the ball so you're not hurt you're not affecting measurements well, they can like, use. Yeah, they can yeah. use. They. That's the thing. They can use the the range gun again. Yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah. That's my have, point, though. Like, you're not penalizing somebody who's having to figure something out. Like, it's once you get to the ball. Yeah. If you want to do the move of the problem is, I don't want to like give too much leeway. It's like, if you say once you get the yardage, once you get your yardage, then you have forty seconds to hit. But then what you'll have to do is then you'll have these guys that'll manipulate like, all right, well, well, we didn't have our yardage yet. And and what whatnot. if the wind changes? You just shit out of luck. You're still hitting the six iron. Yep. I mean, that's that's golf. What if what if you waited too long? What if you waited too long and then you got a gust of wind? Where's Tiger say a puff of wind? Like, what if you got a puff of wind? Like, do you do golf. it like billiards and you give one 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 extension per hole? I'm. I'm I think I guess if the you get the first penalty, you get the first penalty and you've been warned, so you get a freebie. Okay. And number two, all right, we're adding a shot. All oh, of a sudden, ooh. these all of a sudden That's these a, guys I mean. that claim that they can't hit a shot, all of a sudden they'd be able to hit a shot. Because <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you guys, I'm not a golf guy, and every once in a while I'm watching it and I'm like, dude, hit it. Let's go. The announcer's he's really taking a good look at this one right here. He's got an interesting line. Well, he's going to step away and look at it again, and then he steps up and he's like, "No, no, let's go, hit it. It's not, it can't. Let's go." And I, now I, let's I, check in on Cantlay. He's it, still reading his putt. Twelve. It's my favorite part of Cantlay over the weekend is he got blasted for something that he, look he's slow as hell. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't really his fault that much because of what was in front of him. And oh, I think it was his fault. You when, still think when, it was completely his fault when Victor walked off on that one green. That let you know it was Patrick's fault. Like Vic, when the when your playing partner, like he, he was storming off the green. He he low key did the Rory Sabatini. I mean, I forget who Sabo was playing with, but there was one tournament like Texas or something, and his guy he was playing with was so slow he just walked off and went to the next tee. Like that's kind of what Victor did. It. You can convince me it cost Brooks Kepka at least two shots because he takes no time at all and stays pissed off the entire round. Rom is more reserved and calm, and, and that's amazing. I just said that and could actually sort of 
manipulate his emotions over the course of the round. No, to me, the 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 biggest story of Rom this week was I don't know. I mean, I watched I don't know if I watched every single hole he played. Did he have a, a blow up once? Yeah. Like I don't like I'm sure he like said some like persnickety stuff, but I don't remember seeing him have the blow up. And yeah. and he four putted the first hole of the tournament. Yeah, he made double bogey. Like on, on, on hole number one, but I don't know. I think I think I realized Brooks was in trouble when when he played uh when his first tee shot went 150 yards left. I was pretty confident that he was going to have problems that day. Sounds like Neil might be a little bit of a Brooks guy. He was kind of locking in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, something about Brooks kind of got McCready over there. I don't <laughs> think I don't think he's alone. I do think part of the I do think part of the ratings bump is oh we know this guy's name. He's like a major championship guy. Like and here he's in the hunt. Like I do think there was some wanting to watch him. Now he obviously didn't deliver, but like I do think that was part of the story. I think with me it was. Everybody's telling me basically, not me directly, but sort of indirectly on social media that we're supposed to hate this guy. And I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't seem all that hateable to me. I mean, yeah, he took the LIV money or whatever. So what? I, 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 I'm- I will say most golf fans, it's not about live. It's the most golf fans problem with him is he clear like he's the guy. Oh, yeah, I don't practice. I don't play like he's like obnoxiously trying to sell that he's not a golfer when it's like, dude, you don't have that golf swing and not practice golf. Like you, you, you clearly work at the game. Like it's a crap. Most people like there's some journalists that will, that will clutch their pearls about live money. Most golf fans, that's not the problem they have with them. The problem they have with him is that he feels so inauthentically tough guy. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I, it's one of those deals where I don't follow that sport close enough to really understand it at that at that level, and so I just get to the Masters Sunday and I'm like, why am I hating this guy? I don't. He doesn't seem hateable today, and I like Rom. He seems like a perfectly cheerworthy guy. So I was kind of like hoping he would he would win. I could tell, and I didn't know why until just now. Really, I could tell that Kepka was irritated, and if you're having to wait, 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 wait. And you're having to think about, hey, I'm blowing the Masters. And, and he's one of the fastest players. Like, he looks at nothing. He just gets up and hits the ball. It's like, okay, here, just yeah. play. And I can it, see how that would get under your skin a little bit if you're having to wait extra minutes to tee off because the guy in front of you is studying the layout of the course each and every shot. Oh, I mean, there's, there's no question. And then on top of that, you're playing poorly. So like you're playing poorly and you're like it all it all compounds. I think that I think Rom and Brooks could have played those a twosome by themselves on the course with nothing in front of them. I think Rom was winning that tournament. Yeah, I do too. There's no doubt about that. Jeffrey is part of your uh your not to start a a world war here, but it's huh. part of your excitement uh over being we're on the cusp of one anyway. We're on the cusp eh, of a fair. world war anyway, Chase. So I mean, why not start one here? Are we are we so locked into Jordan Walker right now? He uh, gives you the feels. Like yeah. you get, you get the tinglys watching. He's him very classy at this point of his career. Oh, and they, I, I might have to come up with a seventh tool for Jordan yeah. Walker. I mean, obviously he has the class already. I mean, what a, what an outstanding young man. Just look at how he carries himself. Um, can we also acknowledge like the guy's twenty years old and he's got a twelve game inning streak? Like, 
how many how many times do we bring the guy up? And I'm not saying we, but like Major League Baseball, you bring the guy up and like he struggles. Like I understand eventually there's going to get film out film out on him and he's going to have probably like a a 30 day hitless streak. I've seen enough to know that I feel pretty good right now. Is he uh, the, the play today? He is trying to break the record today. He's currently tied Eddie Murphy's record from like 1912 or 1900 or something, something like that uh, with a 12. Is that even streak. the live ball era? That's a good point. Probably already has the live ball era record if you'd like to claim that. The, the problem is, and if Neil, if you want to, you want to actually, you know, peacock up a little bit, as much as the, uh, as much as I get the warm and fuzzies from Jordan Walker. Oh, boy, that pitching staff. Um, it's a problem. Oh, boy. Um, are you supposed to get people out? Like that bad? It pitches, well, they're starting pitching's a little old. A little? They, a lot old. And it kind of feels like maybe Father Time's punching them a little at once. It's a super small sample size. Correct. And the but, Braves, like the like the, a lot of it was getting lit up by the Braves. Um, and then you played in Coors Field, and you've also played the Blue Jays, who have like a really good lineup. With that being said, kind of I think in the back of every Cardinals fan's mind, it was like, shouldn't we have gotten more pitching? Like, shouldn't shouldn't we have gotten better on the mound? And are, are you worried and about Flaherty? Not great. Are you worried about Flaherty? I think you always just have to be worried about Flaherty. Like he just feels like he's never healthy. Yeah. I'm going to tell you who's healthy is uh, this Jared Kalinick. I was talking about him yesterday on the show. Yeah, he had he, a ball at Wrigley yesterday, didn't he? Dude. So I, I, I was thinking in my lifetime on television or in person, almost, almost exclusively on television, obviously, how many games I've watched at Wrigley Field? I'm, I'm guessing at least 2,000. And I, I can only remember one ball traveling further than the one that Kalenic hit yesterday. Or Kelnick, however you say his name. Dude's a stud. Um, Glenn Allen Hill hit one once that went basically onto the building across the street, which was just mind-boggling. This was, this was 482 feet, and it looked every bit of 500 feet. I mean, the ball just... And the thing about it was it wasn't one of those moon shots. It was a missile. It was incredible. This guy's got pop. I mean, he hit three home runs in the series. And the most impressive until yesterday, the most impressive ball that he hit was the double off the top of the center field wall that never got more than about 12 feet off the ground. It was unbelievable. He's, he's, a, he's a beast. Baseball has some. I mean, we talk about the pitchers. We were just talking about Walker. And baseball's got some young hitters that are phenomenal. Seattle, Seattle's fun to watch. That Rodriguez at the top. Uh, of the, Julio, uh, Julio Rodriguez is he's he's special. He was that was like the one thing. It's like when it's like is the home run derby still necessary? It's like I'd not watch Julio Rodriguez until the home run derby last year. I would stay up to watch Mariners games last year. After that, I was like, this guy's electric. He is. He's they're fun. They've got a good. They've got a good team. I know they lost two out of three and blah blah blah, but they're they're really good. They the kid that pitched for them yesterday, big six six kid. He he had the Cubs so off balance. He was he was terrific. They're they're they're. That's the other thing about the speeding up the games is you get to watch more teams, and the more teams you watch, the more you realize how many good young players there are. Oh, a hundred percent. And it 
it helped. I think that helps the league. I do too. You've now got more familiarity with the league. It's, I was trying to remember. Was it Puerto Rico? There was somebody in the World Baseball Classic that hit. He hit a home run in Miami to the Budweiser deck, and it got like thirty feet in the air. It was, it was truly like one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Well, if you haven't seen it yet, find the video from from Wrigley yesterday. That that it it only took about four seconds. I mean, the ball just that had to be one eighteen off the bat. It was incredible. He crushed it. What do y'all think that sounded like? It's one thing to say, like hear the sound on TV, but we've all been there, especially in with wood bats. There is a yes, piercing sound when you hit a home run. Like it's it's. it's I'll tell you what it sounded like when I was at Wrigley. A few years ago, and the Rockies were in town, and Nolan Arenado was taking BP, and I was paying attention to something else at the time. I didn't realize that he had stepped in, and the sound off his bat was violent. Yeah, that's the sixth tool. That's class. That's why we had to go get him from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I walked into that one, but it, but it was. I mean, he the the ball sounded different off his bat, and you got to keep in mind that's. These are major leaguers taking BP. All of those cats can right. crush it. I mean, there's no bad player. And it, it was, there was a different sound. I'm, I'm going to guess it sounded like a, a true a explosion, a cannon shot. Jeffrey, if you, uh, if you read it, what was your takeaway from the Kiffin article yesterday? So is this the one about the uh, not having a family atmosphere? Uh, sure. Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, it was. The long form that Scarborough wrote yesterday, maybe the day before. We didn't even, we didn't even talk either. about the family atmosphere, the family thing that where he was like, everybody else does that and we don't. I actually really respected Lane for that, by the way. We we yeah. didn't talk about that at all. Did we pass over that? We we didn't get to that because so you and I talked about it after we hit the off button the day before. Yeah, we and got, I just for some reason thought we were recording. We got so hung up on the Auburn thing because it's interesting. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's true. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing is I kept thinking, though, is doesn't when you consider the teams that you're competing against, doesn't most of your competition all do the family thing? It's a family thing. It's a family thing. Like Alabama doesn't do the family thing, but like, I don't know, like, I just don't think I don't think you're going head to head with Alabama on on a lot of recruits. Like, I, I just I don't. His point was so good, though, because it's like you don't look at your son or your daughter and go, you know, you're kind of a disappointment. We're getting rid of you. His yeah. quote here for anybody who missed context, <laughs> quote, these coaches sell parents on, especially in the South. Come here. It's family. We're going to treat you like family. I'm like, no, they're not. If it was family, then why do coaches bring kids in and say, hey, we want to help you transfer. It'd be better for you to transfer. You don't do that to your family. So that's the whole family thing. You have to teach some reality that there's a business side to it. Could you imagine if there was a transfer portal for your family? <laughs> I mean, in fairness, probably in eighth grade, my dad would have been like, son, you try hard. <laughs> we'll help you find a better location. We'll, we'll, we're gonna, we'll I, hey. We're going to help you find a better mom listen, and dad. Listen, I, I gave you my name. So if you want to stay here, you can. Just understand, we're going out to, we're recruiting over you. You're you're off scholarship. Sorry. Correct. <laughs> you, you can walk on, but yeah. 
your, your, your free room and board days are over. Yeah, uh, there's there's no such thing as a free pass in here, son, and you're not pulling your weight. We think um, that there's a mom and dad out there for you. Maybe not quite as elite as us, but they're going to be a, a better fit for you. I don't know. I guess I don't I haven't had a problem with it, but the thing. I've just felt like. Kiffin and maybe it's also because of the time of the calendar, it's spring, there's, you know, the football writers got to go write about something, but. I don't know. I just feel like he's been doing like trying to do a sales job because he did so much damage control with his fan base last fall. And, and I feel like it's been a lot of I feel like it's been a lot of kind of PR stuff. And I'm not saying that any of it's not true, like to what degree. I don't know. I don't really care. It's just felt very. It's felt very targeted. And in the end, I just don't care what he says. I do not care what he says this time of the year. You know, talk to me in November. Oh, well, that's for sure. I, that's interesting that you say that because I don't. And maybe it's because I've, I'm around it all the time and I just don't pay a whole hell of a lot of attention. It, 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 Lane's press conference the other day, I actually paid attention to it because it was like, oh, that was kind of felt different than the press conferences where he comes in there and he just sort of whispers into the mic for a minute. Um, I don't know that Lane thinks that he really did damage. I know people tell him that he did damage, but I don't know. Yeah, that I think he, that's the argument is whether he actually believes that's the case. I, I don't think. Now, now in saying that, I do. And, and look, maybe the media just wants to write the story and he says yes to national guys. I do feel like I've been reading this same Auburn story for six months now, even though it's only been four or five. Like, my God, like, I just feel like every week we're doing something else, rehashing this Auburn job. Um, yeah. Um, and it's been six months now. Yeah. Five, five months. Yeah. Five. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, at a certain point, like the issue is he was going to take the job and he didn't. And so the question is why, like if you want to do the whole PR thing, like if I'm advising him, I'm sitting there and telling the story and, and maybe he kind of has or whatnot, but like, it feels like his version of events is I never said I was going this false, this hashtag fake news report came out and uh, it was never true. And like, that's his story. No, if, if I want to get people back on my good graces, it's like, I, sit there and be honest with them. Like, Yo, I thought I was going. Like, I really did. But you know what? My family really liked it here. I, I, I have, I've now put roots here and I found myself really liking it here. And I just couldn't bring myself to go there. I think that story is more powerful than, than it was just fake news. Oh, I do too. I do too. And I, but I, I, he's never going to go there now. He's because the Monday night meltdown happened and, and there's no coming. There's no erasing that unless he said I melted down because that made me address it two days before I wanted to address it. Because, listen, I, I don't, no matter what anybody thinks of John Sokoloff, and I know Lane clearly doesn't like him, John didn't make that up. 
He didn't just go, hey, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to throw this out there and see what happens. And John gave Ole Miss all day that Monday to address it, and they didn't. Now, it's possible that nobody went to Lane and said, hey, there's a story that's coming out. But there were people at Ole Miss that knew that that story was coming out that night. Yeah. And John was in Oxford on that Monday, and they could have they could have they could have called John into a tunnel somewhere and said, "Y'all need to talk about this real quick." Or, "Hey, John, on behalf of Lane, he's denying this," or whatever. They they there was a way around some of that, and it just didn't happen. It's, it was weird. That was a weird deal. Chase used that word yesterday about Monday. That Monday was weird. It, it was not a. That did not feel like an pre-egg bowl press conference. It was a weird press conference. You had the people that asked about the rivalry and crap, but for the most part, everybody was working on other stuff, felt like. Yeah, I mean, like, I, again, if if you're just someone that can't believe, like, you know, that it was always fake news, then, okay, like, there's no going to probably be amount of convincing that's going to change your mind. Um, I just know everyone in the industry was was pretty convinced he was going to, that he was going to Auburn. Chris Lowe believed he was going to Auburn. Uh, Brandon Marcello believed he was going to Auburn. Uh, I was sitting next to Brandon in the press conference in Fayetteville the Saturday night before the Egg Bowl, and, and Brandon was not there to cover the Ole Miss-Arkansas game. It, 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 you know, that, that game, it wasn't covering to see, hey, Arkansas. who's going who, yeah, who's, who's, who's to make it to the Citrus Bowl? That, that's not what he was working on. He was, he was there to ask Lane Kiffin questions in person. That's what he was there for. And I asked him in the press box, I said, you, you think this is happening, right? And his answer was pretty affirmative. I mean, he was, you know, I'm, I'm another reporter working for a different network. He's not going to give me his scoop, but he was well-sourced. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the, the people that act like it was never happening, it was never being strongly considered are just naive. That, that is patently absurd and, and, and 100% false. It just is. I don't know whether in Lane's mind he ever hit a point where he was said, I'm going, or whether it was, I'm, I'm going to wait and get the offer and then strongly consider it. But Lane's admitted that he was doing research on the job. His word, research. Jeffrey yeah, would only, the, go ahead. The, the, more, the more fascinating story to me was Hugh's story with uh, Dellinger. Because there were a couple of lines in there that I thought were interesting. Number one, Hugh seemingly being blindsided by how much of recruiting was NIL. That that was interesting to me. It's like you of all people think that the the dollar figure is not what the, they care about. It's like, are you are you serious? I'm even gonna take him at his word though. Because really what I think he's saying is he did not realize that almost all of the recruiting had become what is the number. I think that's what he was saying. I think he thought his, his relationships would, would help more. And I think he found out very quickly they don't. But I also took, I took a great deal of interest into they, like he's like, my number one priority now is getting, getting the, you know, the network, the alumni base, getting them motivated because it did not sound like he had that in order. And that did not sound to me like 
basically, what he was saying is like, you know, we're having problems getting players. And I found that interesting because Neil and I have kind of been on this page. Is Auburn all of a sudden a bad job? No. No chance in hell. Is it as good of a job, though, as the stakeholders think it is? Probably not. And it's a different day and age. They are not living in the world where they thrived under the table. Yes. Now that everything's out in the open. They were great at it. And that's not an insult at them, but they were great at it. And it's how they did it. It was just kind of quiet and surreptitious. And then on the surface, it was family and, uh, you know, uh, the whole creed and all that stuff. And I'm not making fun no, of no, I, it, it was their brand. What you know what I mean? Like whatever. Yeah. And and now you just go window shopping. I mean, you just go buy and walk in. How much is that? And okay. Oh, it's, it's $217. And then you make a decision. Okay. Do I feel like spending that or not? And it's really that simple. And, and I don't know that, I don't know that they're, they're not as, as up on that as for example, Georgia is. And they're way behind. Jeffrey, I know you got to go in a second. They're going to be two games out of the way before we talk to you next week. Grizzlies, Lakers. What's your series prediction? I listen, the Grizzlies have depth problems. I just don't think the Lakers are that good. Like, I watched that Timberwolves game. That looked like a couple of 500 teams duking it out to get the seven seed. Like the Grizzlies have been flawed and they've had their ups and downs. They still finished with the second best record in the West. They have the best point differential. Like, even if you're someone that believes Anthony Davis and LeBron are the two best players in the series, which is a legitimate, uh, a legitimate thought, I still think the next, at least the next four players are on the Grizzlies. And I think it's possible, like, up to the next six. As long as this series. If Anthony Davis dominates them, which he very much can because the Grizzlies are so banged up in the front court, and this could just be the Anthony Davis series, they very much could have problems. The thing that would be encouraging to me is LeBron does not seem to be willing to play through Anthony Davis right now. And to me, that if I'm the Grizzlies, I feel pretty good about that. That's There's two things I'm watching in that series. One is, can Jaron Jackson Jr. stay out of foul trouble? Yep. Got to stay, stay out of foul trouble. Got to stay on the floor. Got to stay on the floor because he's, I think he's the best defender in the league, but he's not the best defender in the league if he's sitting on the he's the, He is their most important player right now, including John Morant, because 100, there's, 100%. there's a second into the floor. And when the Lakers got hot in the la- latter part of the season, they got hot because they were playing through Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis looked like Anthony Davis. I mean, he did. He was, whoa. And it was D'Angelo Russell getting the ball to Anthony Davis. Everything was going through Anthony Davis. Reeves was going through Davis. Everything was Davis, Davis, Davis. LeBron comes back. And I don't know that I'm with you. I don't know that LeBron in a playoff series, even though he's 40, I don't know that LeBron's willing to be Robin. And if he's not, I don't think they can win it. Now, if he is, they're dangerous. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen. I think I think one thing about the West, other than maybe Denver, I don't think Denver's going to lose to either the Thunder or the Wolves. I don't suspect the Clippers shorthanded are going to beat Phoenix. But beyond that, you can basically make a case that every team can either 
get to the Western Conference Finals or lose in the first round. And I feel like that's where we are. Like the Agreed Grizzlies very 100%. much could be the Grizzlies very much could be done uh, next week. And you could tell me that the Grizzlies are in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I agree with you. Denver and and uh, Phoenix are on to the next round. Everybody else is everybody else is in for a fight. Yeah. Jeffrey, appreciate it as always. Good luck. All right, boys. Be good. Long day. See you, buddy. Got a uh, a weekend coming up again. Ole Miss, Mississippi State this weekend in Starkville. Bulldogs three and nine in the SEC. Rebels two and ten. Super Bulldog weekend there uh, for Mississippi State. They'll have their spring game on Saturday and big crowds. Ole Miss trying to win its first series in the Mississippi State series since 2015. By the way, um, Bulldogs have run off that many of in a row. Even though Ole Miss has had some better teams a good many of those years, they've not won a series since 2015. Against Mississippi State, spring game, 2 o'clock for Ole Miss on Saturday, the Grove Bowl. They are doing 15-minute quarters. They are doing a running clock, and then they are doing situational football at the end of every quarter is what we are told. So uh, get ready for that one. Again, running clock, 15 minutes. So it's going to go at least an hour, and then we'll see situationally from uh, from there with probably a little bit of a brief halftime. So that's the Grove Bowl, 2 o'clock on Saturday. So for those I mean, you know – Divide the teams and play a game, damn it. I'm just, a real game. A real game. Tackling to the ground, different uniforms. The whole Lane was asked about, hey, well, you know, what do you think about, you know, Freeze comes up with that, oh, let's play Troy. Um, you know, that, that, and that is Freeze trying to appeal to the Auburn people. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. Lane gets asked about that, and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, which, come on, y- you heard. But – I liked it, and then he was like, "Yeah, I guess that'd be good for fans." And I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> In other words, no, no, no. that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, no. we're we're good. Yeah, I can't uh, say out loud that Hughes placating people, but uh, come on. Yeah, it's very likely that that is the uh, the last thing that we get from spring is on Saturday. So again, Grove Bowl, two o'clock there on Saturday. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and again, Ole Miss beats Alcorn last night. 13 to uh to four so hope all of you have a uh, a wonderful day we'll talk to you again very very soon when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer mail checks invoices documents and everything you need to keep your business running get rates up to 89 percent off usps and ups and with the mobile app you can take care of mailing on the go Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.